You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, good morning again to everybody. Good to see you guys with the lights turned down. I see all of you that were upstairs, so good to see you guys. We have been in a series in the book, or the letter actually, of 1 Corinthians. Now, most of the New Testament is not really a book, it's their letters. And the Bible is not really um, books per se, but they're letters and they're scrolls and they're, they're, uh, they're, they're collected into a volume. So rather than think of the Bible as like a book, Think of it as a, a selection of letters and scrolls, uh, a love letter from a father to his kids, uh, breathed through the lives, uh, through the Holy Spirit, into lives, uh, through a variety of authors and languages, and over thousands of years. The New Testament is primarily letters written to churches, new churches, first-generation churches, first-generation Christians by the apostles to encourage them in their walk with God. One of them is 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a corrective letter. That means from chapter one to the end of the letter, it is all a correction. All right, he has a little positive to say. In fact, in chapter 11, he says, I have nothing good to say at all about your services. And uh, the first uh, handful of chapters, he's really laying into how their life is out of order in their personal life and in their public life and in their family life. And then he gets to chapter 11 and from 11 to uh, 14, he's about how their church is out of order and how uh, just their services are filled with chaos and uh, so he really lays it on pretty quick, uh, pretty thick. It's a corrective letter to a church that he actually planted himself. The Apostle Paul did five years prior. And uh, he'd been getting word that things were going sour out there. He was currently uh, working with a church in Ephesus. And he was there for about three years in Ephesus. And so he, he spends quite a few years with each church to help him get off the ground sometimes. Corinthians, he was with them for several, about two and a half years with Ephesus. There are three. It's been five since he planted the church in Corinth. Word was getting back. So he's writing this corrective letter and he's approaching uh, their, their divisiveness. And the whole first couple chapters about how they were, not only were they divisive, but they were segregating each other. They were, they were isolating people based upon ethnicity and, and their economy and how much they made. And, and they were having people that were poorer sit outside. And, and it was, it was just, just a mess. And when he gets to chapter 12, he, he addresses their divisiveness again and their arrogance again. 12 through 14, he talks about spiritual gifts and about love. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to rewind to a part of chapter 12 that we skipped. Uh, and we're going to end this section on gifted uh, with this part right here that I was saving just for today. Now, I want you to think for just a second, the Corinthian church was not raised in a Christian family or had no idea what that even meant. They were not raised in a Christian culture. They couldn't flip on the TV. They never heard of a televangelist. They never heard of contemporary Christian music. They, they never, uh, you know, had the opportunity to see a cross necklace. They, they didn't have any idea. They, there was no Christian bumper stickers. There was, a, there was no Christian television. The, there was, their, their, their parents never took them to church as a kid. This was a first-generation church. And they had no idea of the background in which we are so familiar with, even if you're not a Christian. We're, we're kind of familiar. Our whole culture of the world is pretty much shaped by Christian influence today now, including our names. So they, they, they don't even have Christian names. They don't have any background. And when they were sick, they would, they would go to the temple of Asclepius. And he was a temple... Uh, uh, he was a God of medicine. He was a God of health and, and uh, a God of healing. And whenever they were sick, they didn't, they didn't pray to God. They, they went to the temple Asclepius. And when they went there, uh, there were outside of the temple uh, warehouses and shops that would sell body parts made out of clay. 
And it would take these, these clay hands and these clay legs, these clay feet, even, they, even sexual organs. They would take them into the temple of Asclepius. And if they were sick or, or infected or broken, had a broken leg, broken arm, you couldn't just go to the doctor. There, were, there was no modern medicine. There was no health care of any kind. Uh, it was by your artificial limb made out of clay at the local boutique and then go over to the temple of Asclepius, which there were about three or four of them in the town of Corinth, and they would offer to this God a body part. And they would, they would offer it to this, to this deity for healing, like here's my foot, God, you know, Asclepius, heal my foot. And then they would take this foot and hang this body part in their house as a reminder that maybe if, if Asclepius will be nice to them, will give them healing. Now, when he talks about this, and this is so interesting, if you were to Google this, you would see pictures of body parts uh, that they found hundreds and hundreds of body parts in Corinthians, in the city of Corinth, in homes and in the shops. And they unearthed just, just walls and walls of every possible body part, even brains, uh, as people got sick in the head and they would offer brains to Asclepius, hoping that, that their body part would be healed. Paul uses this point of connection with this next section when he starts talking about body parts. So he starts to talk about the body and how important it is that the body works together. And they all were very familiar with the importance of the body working together and the oddity of the body parts. He's, he's probably talking to new believers, which they were all first-generation believers, who had in their closet, maybe still on their wall, that, that arm or that leg that they offered up to an idol before they were a believer. So Paul is using this as a connection point. When he gets to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 is where we're going to pick up. It's where we left off. And it says this, Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Now, some people say that's baptism in the spirit. Some people say it's baptism in water. I tend to believe it's baptism in water because in another letter, he says that we are baptized in water into one family. And so he's talking here about how we are one family in that baptism. Uh, by the way, baptism August 11th, if you've never been baptized, baptism is, is kind of like a, a, a display of family. Okay, uh, you're, it doesn't save you, but it does identify you as family. So he says, we're baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. And then he, 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 he gets to an issue that they dealt with. They were, they were segregationists. They were elitists. There was arrogance. And they, was, they would isolate people based, uh, based on ethnicity and economy. And he said, whether you're Jew or Gentile, Slave or free, we're all given one spirit to drink. So he says like, hey, listen, guys, stop with this divisive junk. All right? You guys are out of control. And he says, we are one, even so the body is not made of one part, but of many. We are to have unity and great diversity. All right? Write this down. We're going to jump right into this. We're going to talk about one body and how we were made for this. One body, write this down, with different Parts or roles. I think your blank is roles. We have different roles to play. Every person in this room and in our church has a part to play in the body of Christ. One of the great titles of the people of God uh, in the Bible is the body of Christ. There's other titles like, like the church there's, or the bride, but the most often used um, title in the New Testament by Paul is the body of Christ. And then he goes on to say in other letters by which Christ is the head. Christ is the head. We are the body. What a great picture. We are one in Christ, the body of Christ. People say, is Jesus here? Yes, he is in us. Is Jesus in the world? Yes, he is in his body, in his church, in his people. We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are one in Christ, but we are uniquely different. We are each different, like a symphony. 
You know, if, when you hear a symphony play and you hear band play and, you know, if you have a small band, you might be able to identify the different parts. You know, if you, if you stare at John Paul playing the guitar, you can hear his part. You know, if you're really listening, you can tune into Zeke. It's easy to hear the drums because they're so unique and they're different. But when you, when you ever hear a symphony, you're like, man, you just, it just sounds like one big giant unit. Doesn't it? Man, there's, there's trombones playing and, and there's cellos and, and there's, uh, there's the brass instruments, the string instruments, there's the percussion and there's it's just so much going on. It's, and oh, it's so powerful. He says, you're like a symphony. You're a body. All of you have a part to play and everyone is important. Everyone has a part. It's, together it swells, it builds, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Sometimes when you hear a symphony, you can't pinpoint the parts, but you know they're there, right? You can't pinpoint them like a great band. It's just seamless. There's not supposed to be any lone rangers in Christianity. He goes on to say, now the foot, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't want to belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body just because it didn't want to be a part of it, right? And he goes, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't want to belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body just because you don't like what you do, just because you don't like the part doesn't mean you get to just decide you're not going to be a part. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, by the way, I want you to hear how important you're going to be in the body of Christ when you make that decision. If you are a Christian, you don't just get to decide, I don't have a part. You have a part. You don't just get to say, I, I don't want to be a part. You are in the body. And he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? A body of nothing but eyes ears or feet. Now I want you to look at this picture. might give you nightmares. Bizarre pictures. If we were all eyes, we would be kind of freaky, right? If we, this particular one with all those pupils, eyeballs, that is just crazy. You know, if we were all ears, if we were all the hand and we tried to function as all hands, or if we, you know, I like the, the, the hand with all the fingers in the hands. And if, if this was us, that's not how God designed us. He designed us for parts, specific, unique parts. We all have a part to play. And when you decide that you want to be an eye when you're not an eye, or to be a foot when you're not a foot, or a hand when you're not a hand, it just looks freaky. It's, you're, not, you're not functioning the way you're supposed to be. We all have a part, a role to play in the body of Christ if you're a Christian. He goes on to say, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Who placed the parts? God has placed the parts. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, as he pleased. He decides who gets to be what part. He gets to decide who's the mouth, who's the eyes, who's the feet. He gets to decide these parts. If we were all one part, where would the body be? We'd look like those weird pictures. As it is, there are many parts, but there's one body. This is part of God's plan for all of us, that we have different parts, and he designed us to be different. See, he says we are one, but we are different. We are to be in unity, but there's incredible diversity. He doesn't want us to be a bunch of robots, a bunch of clones with the same kind of haircuts and same kind of clothes. Verse 11 says, all these are the work of one of the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Write this down. One body, God chooses our part. So there's many different parts, and you don't get to decide what part you play. God chooses what part you're going to play. We don't choose our gifts. We don't choose our role. We don't choose our abilities or the part of the body that God has for us. He chooses. God designed you and he gifted you for your role in the body. Now, when I was in a school band, I used to be in school band, and I'm a, I'm a drummer. Uh, um, been playing drums since I was uh, eight years old. And I've been in, in a, you know, 
junior high, well, I was in elementary school band, I was in junior high band, I was in high school band, and I played the drums, and, and I remember when I first started playing drums, it was like, uh, it was a cool instrument, right? It was like, everybody wanted to be like the percussion player, drummer, at least that's what I, in my mind, would think. <laughs> uh, but it's like, those are the, like, they were band geeks, unless you were the drummer, and then you were like the cool, that's again, fantasy in my own mind. We're all band nerds. So, uh, but there are people who, they just wanted to play the drums. Man, I'm going to play the drums because you guys are cool. I want to play the drums. So they get up there and like, no sense of rhythm whatsoever, right? You you ever known somebody like that? Uh, Show of hands, be honest, be transparent. Let's be real. How many of you say, I don't think I got much rhythm? Anybody? Quite a few of you. (laughs) <laughs> you being nudged. <laughs> All right. Some of us said just no way you got no rhythm. And, you know, it's funny. We, when we do, like, youth camps and stuff and we start clapping, some of the kids, like, <laughs> they, they got no rhythm. They can't even hardly move and their claps are way off. And like, it's awesome and terrible at the same time. So uh, you get someone like that and you're like, I want to be a drummer. I'm going to play the drums. And, and they start playing, you know, boom, boom, you got the big bass drum and the snare or whatever, timbali and, and just different instruments, even the cymbals, you know, it's like, man, if they're off, they're off. So what's the band leader have to do? The band leader says, you know what, you're just not cut out for this role. This is not, this, you're, not you're not gifted. This is not your part in the band. This is not a good part for you. So what the band leader does is he will identify their strengths and their weaknesses and put them in a position that serves the band the best, right? And sometimes it's the triangle, or, or even then you got to have some rhythm. Or they would put them on a string instrument, or they would put them on a more of a horn instrument. The point is, the band director knows where you should play best, where you fit, where your part is best utilized. And so sometimes we want to be the drummer. We want to be the person who, who's in that cool position or that cool place or that cool role. And the band leader, God's saying, you know what? You're just, you're just not cut out for that. And so it's important that we realize the band teacher picks the best instrument. The father knows best. He designed you. He knows where you fit best. Ephesians 4, 7 talks a little bit about that. So he goes on to say, Paul does, in verse 21, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. All right? That means the parts that that seem to be not as important are sometimes the most important. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Like the, the roles and the parts that maybe don't get the spotlight and don't get the headlines and don't get the titles in the bulletin. These are the people who deserve special honor. And he says, in the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, that means the parts that nobody sees, are treated with special modesty. Now, The parts he's talking about here, it's interesting, he's not talking about like private parts. He's talking about our organs. He's talking about the things you don't see. Anybody seen your your large intestine recently? Any colonoscopy folks? All right, you've seen the inside. You haven't seen the outside, right? How many of you have seen, anybody here seen your esophagus recently? Other than, you know, like, anybody seen your stomach? Anybody held your stomach Anybody held your pancreas? Anybody held your bladder? Aren't you glad your bladder's still working for those of you that are still working, right? Any of you guys um, like literally hold any of your organs recently? No, none of you. You've probably never even seen your organs. But how indispensable are they, right? How special are they? How much more honor do you give these things? Like when you're not feeling well, man, you treat your stomach hopefully well. Right? When your stomach's upset, you, you'll never see it, but you're going to give a special honor. You're going to eat better. You're going to maybe rest more because you want the inside, which is indispensable, the parts you never see, they have that much more special honor. Can anyone describe uh, what our sound man looks like right now? Some of you know him. Who's never met our sound guy before? Raise your hand if you've never met him. All right. Those of you that have never met him, do you know what he looks like? Do you know that he has, if he has a beard or has no beard? Anybody? Have you guys ever met our media person? You know who's running our media today? 
You know, who, you know, we have a rotation of several people that do that. Any of you ever met any of them? You've never met them, but you're seeing their handiwork right now. What you're hearing, you're hearing the band, you're hearing me. These, these silent, these quiet, these unseen parts of the body are indispensable. You're, you're experiencing them, but you're not seeing them. And you're hearing us today because of them. They are essential. They're like the organs you don't see. And sometimes you're like, well, I want to be on the stage or I want to be in a different role. I want to get a little bit more attention. Listen, that may not be your role, but all these roles, all these parts are all a part of what God chooses and, and plans. And he goes on to say, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, the ones that get all the attention, but God has put the body together. Who put the body together? God has put the body together. Now, again, remember, he's not talking about the body. He's talking about the body. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal, if I say equal, should have equal concern for each other, Write this down. Number three is that there's one body, but every part is important, equally important. There is not an A team and a B team. There's not an A list and a B list. Every team has a position. There's no such thing as a small player, just small-minded people. And when you can understand that whatever part you play, whatever role you have, that your part is important, that you are indispensable, uh, that, that maybe you're not, you don't get the attention or maybe you don't get the thank yous or, or maybe people don't even realize what you do. Just because of that, it doesn't mean that you're not equally important as the person who is ever up here or ever leading a group or ever gets a title. You're not one in a million. You are one of a kind. And I love that statement. We're all made and wired by God differently on purpose. Psalm 139, beautiful psalm, it says this, verse 13 and 16, God created my inmost being. The Psalm David, uh, the psalmist, the David, the, 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 uh, the writer, he says, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Talking about himself. God, you have made me and I know that full well. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Not just by our ethnicity. We're not just unique and special by our backgrounds or by our styles or by our stories. Man, God shaped you unique and wonderfully complex. Every person in here is incredibly beautifully made and designed with the intention to fulfill a part in the body of Christ. We are different, but we are together. Some think of themselves as average. You know, I'm just, I'm just an average person. I have nothing to give. I'm, I'm not like super skilled at this, or I don't know if I'm really good at that. The devil says, he might even tell you, you don't matter. You don't have a part to play. You don't have a role to play. What you have is not significant. Listen, you are vital. Paul says we are in the body, we are equally important. Every one of us is important. The enemy attacks and discourages, and we need to learn to affirm each other and encourage each other. 1 Corinthians 12, the apostle Paul uses the term body, and he uses this term other places in the New Testament as well. I want you to think about this for just a second. Think about your hand. I was thinking, what kind of illustration could I bring today? And I thought, wait a minute, you guys are walking in with the best illustration there is. It's you. So take your hand and look at your hand for a second. All right, everybody take a look at your hand. It's all right. All right, look at your hand. I want you to think about this for a second. You don't have to create unity with your hand, do you? You know, you're, you, you're born together. You have a hand. You're born with a hand. You have unity with it. When you were growing up, it, it grew together. It, it grew together. It is not sewn together. 
you know, maybe if you lost a limb, it was reattached. Maybe you have a finger that you sawed off. But let's just, let's just go with the fact that you still have all your fingers, even if you have some of them, you know, and you're missing a couple. <laughs> they're still there. You didn't, have, you didn't make it grow together. It grew together, unless you're Frankenstein. And now, when you were growing up, your mom never told you, uh, keep your fingers together, keep your hands together. Why? Because it was natural that you are together. Now, she might have said, watch your fingers. Don't let anything cut them off. But she never had to say, keep it together because they are together. It's a natural byproduct of the relationship you have with your hand. It automatically keeps uh, itself together, but we have to ensure the unity of our fingers by watching our fingers, or it might get shut in a door, or it might get sawed off, or we might, you know, get uh, slammed uh, in, a, in a car door or something. In the same way, we are born into this body. When you are born again, you are born into a family, a body. You are born into a body. And when you are born into this body, it should be natural that we are growing together. You know, when I grew up, I didn't have to tell my hands, keep up, guys. You know, there's the awkward years when your hands are maybe big and your head's big. <laughs> Some of you guys, you're still growing. Uh, your heads are big or your feet are big. But, you know, it all catches up because it's growing in the pattern and in the rhythm that it's supposed to grow. It's God saying, listen, every part is helping each other to grow. Jesus is the head. Now think about this. Hold up your hand again. Do something. I want you to do something. I want you to scratch your elbow. Scratch your elbow. Who scratched your elbow? Was it your hand or your head? It was your head. Your head scratched your elbow. When you have an itch, you don't go, mm, I wish I could do something about it, <laughs> right? When you have an itch, it sends a message to the head. And the head says, hand, itch it, right? And so you itch it. And the hand is obeying the head. And when the head is in proper relationship with the body, the body functions the way it's supposed to function. So God is saying this. He's saying, listen, your part is only as powerful as you are connected to the head, Jesus Christ. Remember, we are the body. He is the head. So whenever something great happens in the church, whenever ministry happens, a mission trip or even the band, you know, who's doing this? It ain't the band. It's not the fingers. It's not the hands. It's not the mouth. It's not the legs. It's the head working through an obedient hand. It's the head working through obedient feet. What scratched you was your brain. It was not your fingers. God does the same thing in us. And he says, you know, my hand doesn't go, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I don't want to scratch. Man, this arm is scratching. It's itching so much. I don't want to do it. My hand is, do it. No, do it. You know, you know, you don't argue with your hand when it's in submission to the body, when it's in submission to the brain. It just does it. It's just natural. That's that relationship that we, when, when there's a need in the church, when there's an itch, when there is a problem, when there's something that needs attention, when we are obedient to the head, we don't argue with God about, well, I don't know. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like the need. I don't want to do it. You know, well, that's, if when you're in submission to the head, you just do it. It's just natural. He says, we're a body. We're all important. We all have a role to play. He goes on to say, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I tell you what, I don't think much about my little toe. I don't until it gets hit in the middle of the night on the bed rail. Ugh, right? And then it's all hands on deck. Everybody to the foot. Attention, everybody to the foot. You know, it says when one part of the body suffers, boom, man, we're all there. You know, I'm sure they were stubbing their toes 2,000 years ago when Paul was writing this. It's not a new thing. And I'm sure they're all going, ha, that's kind of funny. Because that happens when we, you know, it's like all hands on deck. Man, when one suffers, man, when, when we got to burn, man, we're putting ointment on it. We're putting band-aids on it. We're taking care of it. You know, we might put it in a sling. And you may not realize how much you miss those fingers until they're in like these little braces, you know. And you ever broke a finger here before? I've broken 
these two fingers, this wrist, this elbow before. I've got stitches all over my body. I've cut my eye out, half my ear off. I've had stitches on my forehead, the back of my head, on my elbow, on my ankles, on my knees. I, have, I was an accident-prone kid. And I tell you what, I never really thought about those parts that were hurting until they were hurting. And then all of a sudden, everybody cares in my body. Everybody's paying attention. Everybody's, you know, on hand. It says, Paul saying, listen, the body, when we're in need, we should all care. And when we're in a healthy place, and when the head is in a proper authority in our life, then we don't have to convince we don't have to argue. We don't have to guilt people into serving each other. We don't have to guilt people into trying to get help. We just, if we're in a healthy place, we do it. When we as individuals are in a healthy place with Jesus, the head, we need each other. Everyone is necessary. We learn how important our intestines are when they don't work. We learn how important our pancreas is when it starts going bad. All hands on deck, man. I, I have uh, I've lost about 90% of the hearing in my right ear. And I tell you, uh, when I hear noise, it's, it, it sounds like it's always coming from over here. So the person could be talking over here, and I'm like looking over here. So if you're ever talking to me, and I'll do like, I'll do one of these, because I'm like, I have no idea where that's coming from. And I'm like cooking all around. You know, we're like, work. I, you don't realize how important that eardrum is until it's not working right. And how confusion sets in when we're not working right, when our mouth isn't working right, when our hands aren't working right. Turn to your neighbor, turn to someone next to you and say, we need you. We need you. You know, we're all different. Show of hands, let me do a little survey here. How many would say I'm an extrovert? Let me see, I, if you, raise your hand if you are an extrovert. Extroverts have no problems raising their hand. Uh, I'm going to ask you introverts to do something. If you're an introvert, would you kind of raise your hand? The introverts are like, <laughs> you know, introverts. How many of you uh, would say you're a hugger? How many of you say you're a pusher? Get off me. <laughs> it's like, don't hug me. All right. How many would say, um, you know, when it comes to worship, you're demonstrative? You know, how many have you guys that say when it comes to worship, you're, and how many would say when it comes to worship, you're a little bit more on the, on the reserve side, you know, just raise your hand so I'm a more reserved worshiper. All right, worship in spirit and in truth. Um, how many of you, when it comes to vacations, you're like, man, I want to do everything. I want to go everywhere. We're getting up, up early. We didn't go over to the side of the world to, to sleep in, right? Have you like, yo, vacation, I'm sleeping in. I'm moseying out, and when I get out, we get out. And if we don't see anything, we don't see anything because this is a vacation. I'm, I'm the organizer. I'm like, let's get up. Let's get out of here. Um, I'm working on a September trip with my family, and I've, I've already got an itinerary down. So I got to work on that. How many of you say, you know, you're into sports? How many of you say, uh, don't pick me? <laughs> Don't pick me. How many of you would say that cooking is your thing? Okay, raise your hand if you say, you know, I burn a lot of stuff or I don't know how to cook much. Anybody? Okay. How many of you would say, you know, um, I love technology. I love computers. I love the newest gadgets. And anybody else? All right. How many of you would say, you know, that's not me. Just kind of give me the flip phones and, and, and I'm good with that. All right, how many of you would say music all the time? Turn it up, crank it up. I want to hear music all the time. How many of you would say, um, you know, I just like some peace and quiet. Why does it always got to be noise? Have you ever feel like that? All right, how many of you feel like, you know what, I like to sing, sing out loud, sing out strong. All right, so some of you like to sing. How many of you like, you know what, don't ask me to sing because you'll regret it. Anybody here have a? All right. How many of you would say, um, you know, you're a very handy person. You know, I, you know, just give me, I can fix anything. And if I don't, I will learn. All right. How many of you would say, don't call me, call a professional. <laughs> Anybody here? That's you. All right. How many of you would say, you know, uh, put me in a, in a room and, and I have no problems talking to people. Talking to strangers, that's my thing. Talking to people, voicing my opinion, getting in front of people. How many of you would say, you know what, I would rather just kind of stay in the back or stay on the side and listen? Anybody more of a listener? 
all right? See, these are all different gifts. These are all reflective of the parts that we play. Did you know that every person, everyone here has the potential to be a 10 at something? You have the potential to be a 10 as something, an expert at something. The things that God has gifted you in and, and, and bent you towards, the parts that you play, God has designed everybody. In God's design, everybody has something, but nobody has everything, which is why we need each other. Verse 4 says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit that distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. These are different roles and, and gifts in the church, all these three categories. But in all of them and in everything, it is the same God at work, unique in, in our uh, embrace our uniqueness. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good uh, of the body. He's talking about the body of Christ. And I want you to write this down. Everybody has a part to play and every part is to participate. Every, if my hand decides it just doesn't want to be involved in my life anymore, you know, I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> like my ears decided it doesn't want to work much anymore. You know, and it just kind of checks out. It's caused a lot of confusion, but I, actually it helps with my sleeping. I just roll over on this side and I sleep through all conversations and all noise and all thunderstorms. But we have a part. We all use our gifts for the body. We are designed to use them. Are you ready for this? In church. He says, you're to use this for the common good of the body. This is about common good of the, well, I use my gifts, you might say. I use my gifts in life. I use my gifts at work. I use my gifts at school or I use my gifts at home. You know, the primary reason you have that gift and that ability is because God has given this gift to you for the common good of the body of the church. The reason that you're good at something is because God's given that gift to you for your part in the body to build up the body, the local church. There are no spectators in the body of Christ. We are all to be participators in the body of Christ. When I run, my heart doesn't take a nap. You know, if I'm going to like, I'm going to stretch, you know, and I'm just going to go on a run. If my heart decides, oh, you're going to go on a run? Cool. I'm just going to knock out and take a nap, you know. Uh, I'm going to fall over. I'm maybe even have a heart attack, you know. Uh, if, if I decide to go on a run, my feet don't decide, hey, you know what, since you're going to be busy for a while, I'm just going to kind of check out, you know. Uh, you know, my, my feet don't check out. My head doesn't check out. Um, my mouth doesn't even take a break. You know, if I'm, if I'm running and I'm trying to get someplace, my mouth doesn't just go, hey, you know what, since you're running, you don't need me. And it just, you know, just stops functioning. No, I'm like, <laughs> I need that mouth, right? I need that mouth to breathe, to function, to, to keep going. You know, if we want to get someplace, we can't check out. If we want to get moving, we can't check out. We work together. We can't take a break just because you've used your gift elsewhere. Listen, guests do not need to participate. But if you're part of the body of Christ, you are supposed to participate. So if you're a guest, there's no expectation. But if this is your church, and you say this is your church, and this is where you want to go to church, then guess what? You have a part to play, and you must and should participate as a healthy member of the body. That's just how it works. That's how God designed us. We are the body, and we each have a part, and we're all to participate in the roles that we play. There's not a, even though I never think about my little toe until I heard it, it's still functioning every day. It's still working. It's still participating every day. All my organs that I never think about until they get sick are still working every day. They're still functioning every day. You know, and just getting up in the morning, my hands, my fingers, my arms, my legs, every part of my body is participating every day, even though I don't think about it. Because in its healthy relationship to the head, it's always participating. You know, churches are always trying to Prime the pump of participation with their members. It gets exhausting. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that you are a minister, that you are a priest. Let me give you a, a real quick story. All right, real quick story. It's this. In the Old Testament, God worked through the order of priests 
in select people. And then all of a sudden, when Jesus stepped into the scene in the New Testament, a new way of operating in God's kingdom began to take place. God set up a new order and says that we are all priests now, not a select few. And that when you're born again, the Holy Spirit moves in and we all have access to God and his spirit. And so we don't need priests. We are all priests. And there's not a select few prophets or ministers. We're all ministers. And we all have the ability to hear God. And in the New Testament, as all ministers, we're all called to pick up the serving towel and to live beyond ourselves, everyone doing their part. And that's what we see in the book of Acts, a beautiful picture, first-generation Christians and second-generation Christians learning to live out their life together, all of them serving together together participating together as a body. And in the New Testament, a handful of leaders were paid. The Apostle Paul talks about them. First Corinthians talks about them. We talked about them earlier in this series, that there are select few people who are paid in church to not do ministry, but to equip the body for the ministry. The, the, there's a select, a small amount of people for the purpose of teaching and equipping and training the saints, which is all other Christians for the work of ministry. Ephesians 4.11 says it this way. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. These are administrative leaders in the body of Christ. Why did he give these gifts to the church? To equip the people. To equip his, God's people, for the work of service or for the work of ministry. So that the body of Christ, there's that word again, may be built up until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That means we all have this part to play. God puts these, these administrative leaders in the church to equip the saints until Jesus comes back. My job is only temporary, right? But over time, more and more pastors were hired. And over time, more and more were paid. And the rest began to passively sit on the sidelines and watch as church ministry was done more and more by clergy. And by the 1500s, the entire church was run by clergy and ministers while everybody else watched. And still today, there are basically two groups of people in the church, the ministers and the members. And in most churches, they, if they, they might pay a pastor or they might not. The average church is under 100 people 90% of churches are under 100 people in the United States, and a church can only afford a pastor when they're at about 150 people. So the average church does not even have the ability to pay a pastor, but they still expect that one pastor, that one clergy to do everything. Most churches struggle to be influential. There's just so much that a few people can do. Small churches cannot even afford to hire someone to do all that is expected. Imagine 200 players of a team sitting on the bench while there's three or four people on the field and the people on the bench are yelling, you need to do more of this. You need to do more of this. How come you aren't doing more? How come you're not doing better? 200 people on the bleachers, three or four people out in the field trying to do their very best while they're all complaining about how they want more and how they want it better. That's church today. That's most churches today. Even the larger churches, the reason why they're able to function is because they have staff of 20 plus people that are doing all the work. And a handful of lay ministers lay ministers, when the design for the church is for every member to have a part and every member to participate. Come with your spirit ready to worship, ready to share what God has on your heart, ready to serve each other, ready to grow, ready to be encouraged. First, uh, First Peter 4.10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should 
do as one who speaks with the very words of God. That's a upfront rule. If anyone serves, they should do with the strength God provides. That's a behind the scenes rule. So that in all things, whether you're in front or behind the scenes, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. All these gifts, whether it's up front, on the stage, leading a group, leading a ministry, or behind the scenes, someone that picks up, someone that's not seen, we all have a part to play for the glory of God. By the way, the Spirit of God is not here because the band brought in the Spirit of God. And it's not here because we sing the right songs or the certain band member is here or not here. And it's not because the Spirit of God doesn't show up with a good sermon. The Spirit of God shows up because you show up. Because if you are a follower, a true Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who is born again and the Spirit has moved in and, and the Spirit is in you, then you bring the Spirit of God with you. You bring the very presence with you. We together bring the presence of God in its manifest form. So let's wrap it up with this. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. I love this. You are a body and you're also individuals. We're not robots. We're not clones. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping uh, of helping, that's uh, serving, of guidance in different kinds of tongues. All these parts are essential. Some parts are more prominent. He says, are all apostles, are all pre, uh, prophets, are all teachers? Do, does everyone do miracles? Do we all have gifts of healing? Do we all speak in tongues? Do we all interpret? It's a rhetorical no. Write this down. We are one body and we are to be thankful for our part. We're to be thankful for our part. It all comes down to this. Stop comparing your part to other people. Stop comparing what you don't do, what you wish you could do. Quit the comparison game. It will render you powerless. Paul gives us three dangers of comparison. I want you to write these down. Three things that sabotage ourselves and the church is there's gift envy, gift elevation, and gift projection. Paul talks about all three of these. What is gift envy? Gift envy is when, when we say, I wish I had your part. I wish I had a different gift. I wish I could sing. I wish I could, uh, you know, play uh, an instrument. I wish I could teach. I wish I could speak. You know, uh, this feeling only leaves you insecure. It undermines God's design for your body and for your part. And it tears at relationships and it dishonors God. Stop the comparison game. It will only leave you insecure and unconfident. And then there's the gift elevation where people will say, my part is better than yours. My part is more important than yours. I'm, you know, you can't do this without me, man. If we, you know, if we didn't have worship, we'd be okay, you know? And, and, and if somebody else was speaking, we'd be okay, you know? We all have a part to play, and God will, will take care of it. But I'm not here to say what I do is more important. You're not worthy, uh, you know, some people say, I've been to churches where the pastor doesn't talk to people. He's like in this little green room in the back, and he's like, you know, the man of God, he walks out during worship, and he does his thing. And then when they're praying, he disappears because he's got to go into this green room of solace. And I'm like, listen, you know, that's a, that is not, uh, if, if you think that somehow you're so important that you can't interact with people, you know, worthy of my time, you know, worthy of my gifts, worthy of my energy. You know, if I'm not paid a certain amount, I'm not going to do it. Paul says over and over, no, you're not better than you think you are. We're all part of the family. We all have equal parts. And then three, gift projection. And that is you should be like me. I appreciate your part, but one day you'll, you'll, you know, I don't think I'm better than you, but as you grow, you'll be, you will become more like me. That's gift projection. We have a bias towards our own gift. Think about it. We feel like what we do is really important. Those that are serving, if you have a serving heart, you'll be like, how come people don't serve more? You know, if people are into worship, you might be thinking, well, how come, man, we just need to worship. How come we don't worship more? You know, why isn't everybody raising their hands? Why didn't everybody sing? You know, or, you know, if you, if you think maybe you're more into teaching, you're like, man, you know what? We just need to get rid of all this, you know, shorter music time, get to the word. It's all about the word, you know, got to get to that teaching. This is real. This is the meat. This is where it all happens. Some of you that have a mercy gift, you're like, you know what? We just need to care for people more. We need to love people more. We need to forgive people more. We need to be there. We can't be compassionate enough for you to ever feel like we we've done enough for those that are hurting around us. Evangelism. Some of you guys have an evangelism gift and you're like, you know what? 
what? Why are we even having church? Why are we wasting our time? Just get to get, just get to the altar call. Raise some hands. Cast that net. You know, we all feel like our gift is the most important. And, and you should, because that's a part that you play. You know, if you're in youth ministry, you'd be like, how come, how come everybody's not in youth ministry? It's the most hopping, kicking, most amazing ministry or kids' church, you know? Listen, Romans 12, 3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each. For just as each of us has one body with many members, or he says it again, that's many parts, and these members or parts do not have the same function. So in Christ, we though form one body and are many. Each member belongs to all of the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. You know, we don't always see the parts. I got this watch. I, I like watches and I use it. But I don't know what's inside of it. And if one part didn't work, my watch wouldn't work. It, I don't see it, but it's functioning and it's working. We're all needed, this diversity of function. See, comparison is a cancer. And, and I, I've had cancer. I know what it's like. I had cancer over 10 years ago. And uh, cancer, it doesn't work with the body. It works against the body. Cancer lives only to serve itself, sucking nutrients, energy, and attention in all the body's health. It does not contribute. It only takes Everything it gets, it uses to feed itself. If you're part of the body, don't be a cancer. So discover your part. Ask yourself these questions. What do you enjoy? If you're like, well, how do I know what my part is? Um, there's, it says, what comes naturally? I'm missing an S. So um, what do you enjoy? Ask yourself, what comes naturally to you? What succeeds when you do it? What do others tell you that you do well? And if you still can't figure out what your gift is, do something because you're part of the body. You have a part to play. Serve in the area of greatest ability or serve in the area of greatest need. I'll tell you, we have some needs right now. It's summertime and so a lot of people are in and out and we have a need in KidVenture. We need, we need volunteers in KidVenture, in KidVenture today. You know, this is, this is uh, Nick and Katie, raise your hands. You're like, hey, they head up our kids' church, and um, they're ready for you today, <laughs> right? Uh, they won't put you in there today, but they could talk to you today. And you could volunteer, you could sign up, and it's anything from a kid venture to youth to sound to media to greeting to life teams to outreach. The coffee bar is coming soon. We're going to need volunteers to run that for a few hours throughout the week uh, to give our, our manager breaks. Uh, stop sitting on the sidelines. Take your baby bib off. Get up from your little nap. Put on your big kid's pants. It's time to be part of the body. So inside of your worship guide is a connection card. And in that connection card, it has on the back a list of things that our church is a part of. And, and if you uh, have an interest in one of those areas, then, uh, then circle that. Put your name on the front and a phone number email. And uh, we will get that to the proper place. You need to participate if this is your church. I want you to, hopefully you realize this today. Ephesians 4.16 says, For him, Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that's all of us together, when we all do our part, we grow and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Listen, you want our church to grow? Participate. When my leg doesn't work, I'm just not going to walk the way I should. And we all have a part to play, Okay. We're knit together. I hope today you realize two things. These two things are this, is that we will do better with you and you will be better with us, all right? Some of you guys, you've stubbed your toe. And if you're in need today, the church is here to say, all hands on deck and we care for you, we love you. If you need to talk to somebody today, I'll be available. And uh, some of our life team leaders who are uh, here will be available and you can get a hold of us and we will pray with you and encourage you and see what you have need of, all right? Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.